I don't think we could have had a more perfect song to go with what we're preaching on today. Uh, how great is our God? Great to sing, great to believe, because we're talking about this morning, why do bad things happen to good people? John chapter 16, verses 33 is where we're going to look at this morning. But I think this is probably one of the most asked questions in the world today. Chances are you've asked this question. You've known somebody who has asked this question. Simply, of why doesn't God seem fair? Why are bad things happening? And this could be big picture. This could be worldwide stuff. This could be United States stuff. This could be Vermont County stuff or Fountain County stuff. This could be just church stuff. It could be just a me stuff also in my life. So I don't want you to feel bad this morning if you've asked that question or if you are asking that question because it's been asked for years. Even in the Bible, Abraham asked the question, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? He said, God, shouldn't you be fair at least? Moses said, God, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? Your people, God. Not the world, but your people. Jeremiah said, why do the wicked prosper? It's not not that fair that bad people are getting rich and the good people aren't. So even Jeremiah asked it, David, over and over again in the Psalms, you can't go through the Psalms without hearing David ask, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Or David asking, God, where are you? Or God, show yourself to me. Or God, why don't you deliver me? God, why don't you seem fair in what's going on in my life? And today, maybe it's, why did somebody have to die? Why is abortion so accepted? Why are there so many adults and children homeless and starving? Why don't you deliver me, God? Why don't you seem fair, God? And we can ask those same questions. Why so many natural disasters? Why do all these people have to die? And for us, personally today, why did this bad thing happen to me? Or to someone I care about? It can be a very personal question that we ask. I'm going to say this right here, right now, that I truly believe there's a lot of people who have faced infinitely more painful things in their life than I have. I just want to make that clear. I truly believe that. But I also know in 35 years of ministry, 30 years being on fire and EMS, I have seen so many people maybe yell and ask the question, why when someone they loved passed away? So let me just say again this week, like I said last week, if you think I'm going to give you three points, and if you're looking at your outline, you're going, no, you got more than three points. If you think you're going to get three points in a poem and walk out here and say, well, thank you, Kurt, you answered all my questions, it's not going to happen, okay? I am not that smart, and there are people in this world more smarter than I am. Is that the right terminology? Smarter than I am, yeah. (laughs) See, just proved it right there. But I will say this, one day we can ask the question to the one who will have the answer for all this. So let's look at this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Number one, don't go there yet, Paula. Maybe one is, you're just not a nice person. Just kidding. Okay? I want to get that out there. We're not going to go there, but you know, maybe we're just not nice people. No, number one, maybe it's because we live in a broken world could be a possibility. We have to face the fact that we live in a sin-stained world, don't we? 
It's all around us. If you read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you'll see that when God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, what did it say? It says, it was good. In fact, it was perfect in the beginning. When Eve and Adam sinned against God, the world was not as good as it was before. Why? Because sin entered the world. So it's become a sin-stained world. That's why women in labor have pain in childbirth now. That's why it says we have to toil in the fields. We have to work for what we have. It says the ground is cursed. There is sickness. There is death. There is pain. Why? Because there is sin in the world today. Our text, John 16, John says this, what Jesus says, in this world, catch this, you will have trouble. Great way to start this morning, huh? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Okay? In this world, you will have trouble. Catch what Jesus doesn't say. He never says you'll never have a headache. He says you'll never be not flipped off. You'll never have that zit on your nose for, for, for prom. It says you'll never have to have a cat for a pet. But he says, it doesn't say you'll never lose a friend. You'll never lose a job. You'll never have those things in life. But you're saying, but I'm a Christian. So nothing bad should happen to me, right? I'm a faithful follower. I come to church. I go to Sunday school. I do Bible study. I do all these things. In fact, I do multiple things. But I'm a Christian, so this shouldn't happen. We need to acknowledge something this morning. That some bad things happen are just a result of living in a pain-filled, sinful world. Okay? Sometimes it just happens. Can't explain it. Why it happens to certain people, not other people, I don't know. But it's just that, I don't want to say simple, because it's really kind of hard. It's because of the world we live and what happens in the world. The next one is not easy to say, but it's nonetheless true. Number two, maybe you brought it on yourself. Maybe that's a simple answer. And you're going to say, but you just said it's not because of the sin in my life. What I said was this. It is not because you did something over there. But it's an unrelated issue or it's unrelated consequence here right now. You see, there is direct outcomes for out right sinful behaviors there's consequences to our decisions when we make a decision to do this and we know it's kind of questionable doesn't mean god's going to bless it so there could be consequences against it people that want to drink and drive what happens they may get by with it for quite a while but sooner or later they get caught they lose their license so in other words you do something stupid you get stupid consequences that's just the way life is. Sometimes you bring it on yourself. Paul says in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, he says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Paul says, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature he will reap destruction. So what happens when we sin? What happens? The Bible says we get what we sow. Yes, we may live in a sin-filled world, Yes, we may have brought it on ourselves. Or number three, maybe God wants to do something big through you and in your life. Maybe it's a possibility that God wants to do something huge in your life. Maybe through something you didn't understand. Maybe through something that you would never want. Maybe it's even through something that's hurting us deeply right now. 
that maybe, just maybe, one day God would do something that's huge in our life. Like the story in John 9. John chapter 9 where the man was born blind. You remember that one? And so you put yourself in his shoes. The guy's born blind. He's never seen in his life. And he's probably asking himself the question, I've got these brothers and sisters. Why are they not born blind? Why me? Why was I the guy born blind? And he's saying it's not fair. And all of a sudden, all the people around this guy do like we do a lot of times. We start trying to cast blame. So the people around him are asking, who sinned? His parents? Was it him? You know, who sinned? And Jesus says, hold on here. We've got the story. We have this blind guy. Everybody's blaming other people. Jesus says, new category here. It's not what you think. Catch what he says in John 9, 3. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Okay? His blindness is not because of a sin. It's not a consequence of something that happened back here. He said, listen to what he says. The thing he did not want, the thing this blind guy had cast on him, the thing he did not understand was done so, so that the glory of God might be displayed in his life. There was no sin. It happened. But it was so the glory of God could be glorified. Don't miss it. Again, a different category. When the man can see, all of a sudden Jesus heals this guy. He goes from not being able to see to seeing. All of a sudden, this guy has a story to tell. He has a life-changing story. He has a story that will change the lives of people forever. Just by him being able to go up to people and they knew him. Born blind, been blind all of his life. Now all of a sudden he can see, he can say, I can see because of who Jesus is and what he can do. It's also like in the Old Testament when Joseph and his brothers were getting together and he was betrayed by his brothers. Remember, he was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused, put into prison. And through those crazy series of events that he's going through all these things, and, you know, he's put in the castle, and he was accused falsely, and all these other things, God was still working in the background in Joseph's life. So Joseph could one day, through all of this, so Joseph could one day save a lot of people. Remember later when his brothers came up to him and said, Man, this is so bad. We didn't mean it. Well, they meant everything they did. Now they're in trouble. Now they're trying to get forgiveness because they need his help. Joseph responds this way. What you meant for evil, God used for good. He understood there was purpose in his pain. Please understand. And don't take what I'm saying as maybe a belittling to anyone's pain or suffering or struggle today. Okay, please don't do that. I think there's a lot of people in the world today, I think there's a lot of people in our churches today, maybe someone here today who is landed on what I'm going to say, it's a Friday thing. And you're saying, man, we live for Friday. Man, Monday through Friday we work, we're ready for the weekend, so once Friday's over, that's not the Friday I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Friday, the good Friday at Easter that we celebrate the death and the burial of Jesus. But when you understand what happened on that Friday, and we are on that Friday maybe in our life, when the disciples were lost, 
Everything they knew about Jesus, and even though they had been told, they didn't remember. And on that Friday, it was dark for them. It was hard for them. And they didn't know quite what to do. The disciples on that Friday were confused, desperate, and afraid because they did not know what was going to happen on Sunday. Okay? Many people are stuck on Friday. And we just seem to be always on a Friday, never know what's going to happen on Sunday. And that is where many people are right now. Remember what we said a few weeks ago when we was talking about Joshua going around Jericho seven times? And we said, don't stop on six. I mean, seven times, and they're, they're going, I don't know why we're doing this. We did it six times now. What would happen if they just stopped on seven when that was the victory? So many times, and I want you to say, don't stop. Yeah, I know you're tired now, but keep going because victory is right there. Maybe it's one more lap. Maybe it's one more corner. Maybe it's one more day. Maybe it's just a day between before we get to that Sunday. You see, it's Friday, and we don't know what God is going to do one day. I won't. I can't tell you what he's going to do. It's just that it is this, that it's possible we're stuck on a Friday. Okay, please hear me. Maybe we're stuck on a Friday, and it's hard. I'm going to say this. You may not like it. It's hard, and it hurts like hell. It's okay. I'm a preacher. I can say that word in church. Okay? But maybe that's where we're at. I mean, in all truthfulness, maybe it hurts that much that we just don't know if we can hang on much longer for Saturday to hit and then Sunday to come. But even if it is Friday, folks, I promise you, Sunday is coming. That is when we realize what it took in order for there to be a resurrection. And we celebrate that. So why are bad things happening? Maybe number four. For sure, God is doing something in you. God is doing something in you. You can count on it. Folks, you can take this to the bank. God is doing something big in us. There's this annoying little verse in James. In fact, James chapters 1, 2, and 3, where he says this, if we're going through tough times. He says, Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Okay? Catch what he says. He doesn't say you have to be happy about it. Understand, joy is different than happiness. There's a difference. When you go through tough times, when you go through hard times, because he says this in verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith, he's saying this does something in us, it develops perseverance. I know. You're in that Friday right now. You don't know if you can make it through that next lap, the next day, and here comes James saying, consider pure joy. Are you kidding me? But he says it's doing something in us. It doesn't make any difference who we are. It doesn't make any difference how long we've been a Christian. It doesn't make any difference of all these things, how long you've been alive. Whether you like it or not, maybe you don't understand that even though we're going through this, it's not that we're failing. Because one day I think we're going to look back on it. We're going to be able to say, I wouldn't have chosen that. I don't want to ever go through it again but it did make a difference. It did something to me. 
It made me stronger, better, and maybe even drew us closer to God. Some of you have been sitting here this morning saying, there was a point in my life where I was at the lowest of lows, where I didn't know which way to turn. It was the worst of the worst. But it was in that time that led me to the greatest point in my life. What happens when you get so low you can't go any lower? What's your option? To look up. And we can say that's when the greatest point in my life, when I looked up and called on Christ and he met me at my deepest need. Understand he's doing something in us. Folks, I want you to understand I would never want this to happen to anybody. I guarantee you I would have not wanted for my eight-year-old cousin, my senior in high school, to die of a brain tumor. I would have never wanted for my dad to have dementia and Parkinson's for the last 10 years of his life before he died. I wouldn't have asked to be hurt my senior in high school that I was planning on walking on to Indiana State. I was told I could walk on to Indiana State football and return kickoffs and punts, but getting hurt changed all that. But I'm pretty sure because of that, I'm standing here today doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't have asked for that. I wouldn't have asked for the last 30 years when I was in fire and EMS to pronounce people dead, kids, adults, because of the sinful nature in which we lived. I was thinking back, back to 1987, it's a long time ago, I got my EMT license and I was running that first day. My very first run was a diabetic call up to the Warren County home. Pretty easy, gave sugar, nada-da-da, took my hospital, no big deal. After that first run, my next 10 runs, seven of the 10 was either fatalities or suicides over the next week. I'm pulling up on scenes and pronouncing people dead. I've pronounced kids dead and I've watched parents come on scene or come to the hospital and just lose it and I can only imagine because when I was working at St. E for those 12 years I got the nickname the Rev and when certain doctors was on when the pronouncement had to come I had to go to the family with the doctor and tell them that their loved ones didn't make it I remember one Christmas I was working and I was working Christmas Eve night actually Christmas morning 2 o'clock in the morning we get a call for uh, somebody we go to the house everything's decorated for Christmas the lights are on there's a bunch of cars in the driveway, so you know family's there. And we take Grandpa in with chest pains, not thinking anything about it. Okay, it's chest pains. We've got this. One of our Lafayette firefighters drove for us. We get to the hospital. He crashes and dies. I have to go tell Grandma and family that Grandpa's not going to be there Christmas morning. You know, folks, I'm telling you right here, right now, what I want you to understand, yes, God is doing something good in us, but sometimes life just sucks. It just does. I don't have an answer for it. I really don't, and I wish I did. But I want to tell you that even with all these events that went on that I, I still do and I still see, I can tell you it's in those times where I had to do funerals for 18 years old and newborn babies, when I've had to do funerals right after on Christmas Eve for an 8-year-old boy in Hayworth that died from an accident. And I look at it and I think, you know what, it's in those times as hard as it was that I learned to depend and trust on God in ways I probably never would have before just to get through it. So you see in your outline it says this, in some strange way, the more pain we endure, the more faith that is built. 
Sometimes the more pain that we endure, the more faith that is built. You can take any snapshot of life and you say, God doesn't seem fair. Okay, take a snapshot of your life, think back, and you can say that. Go ahead. Because I can go story for story with many people. Like I said, I've buried more babies, more kids, more teenagers than I care to count. I've seen more tragedy in the lives of families, of friends, and strangers. And you look at it, and it's not fair. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. You do life with God in his church, empowered by his work, and I promise you, you walk with him over a lifetime. You will declare with every bit of assurance that not only is he in control, but he is through and through good. I can promise you that. So we ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I want you to understand, I think that's a flawed question. The reason it's flawed technically is simply this. We're not good people. Okay, let's get that understanding right here, right now. We're not good people. And you say, well, no, wait a minute, Kurt. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Okay, please, I'm not. The Bible says we are all sinners. We've all sinned before a holy God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it even says there is no one who is good, not even one. Okay? We're not good people. The reason this is important, and you have to get this, is this. Until we see ourselves as sinners, we're not going to see our need for a Savior. Okay? When we realize that we're not good, suddenly we can acknowledge that bad things don't happen to good people. In fact, don't miss this. Something bad only happened to one person who was good all the time, and his name is Jesus, and he volunteered to go to the cross for us. Maybe you don't understand what I'm saying because you're kind of giving me a little look. What I'm telling you is this. I'm telling you something bad only happened to someone good one time, and that was the Son of God. And he stepped up and said, I'm going to become the perfect sacrifice for you. And he was brutally tortured, and he went to the cross. And see, when he was on that cross, he looked up to heaven when he was sin, and God pulled away from him, and he said, why? Isn't that what we're talking about? Why have you forsaken me, God? Then he said he was sent to do this. And he simply says, it is finished. And to your hands, I commit my spirit. You see, it was on a Friday, and no one understood. So understand this. It took what no one wanted to bring what everyone needed, and that was a savior of the world. Okay? It was Friday. Those disciples forgot things Jesus taught them. They thought everything was lost. They didn't know what they were going to do. But then on that third day, what happened? You remember. I know it's not Easter, but we can, we can go here. On that third day, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty, and Jesus was not there. Because he was not there, we don't have to ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Understand the gospel is the good things that happen to us, even though we are bad people. When we're tempted to say, God's not fair, God's not fair, and over and over again, simply, God is not fair. And I agree with you 100%. He's not fair. But he is just. And that's what's important. 
If he was fair, he would give us what our sins deserve. But Scripture says, and this is the good news in Psalms 103, 10, and 12, he said, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Catch what verse 12 says. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Our sins are washed away. So because of what Jesus did on that cross, we are forgiven. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are justified. Because of what Jesus did on that cross, even though we may be going through things in life today that we don't like, we don't understand, we would never want, one day, one day we will get what we deserve. And I hope you understand that's heaven. That's heaven.